podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. It's accounting season and you know what that means. Welcome to a very topical Money Talks episode. My name is Tadio Chanakira, a.k.a. Tad Predicts, and I'm joined by the franchise, the face of Money Talks, Mr. Mo Chatra. Mo, thank you so much for doing these. I, I know Money Talks is one of the fan favorites and it's definitely one of the more inf- informational football podcasts out there. Um, and we're back with another great and timely topic discussion. So welcome and thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you, Tad. Um, really glad to uh, share in um, some of my limited insight on the Liverpool uh, Football Club accounts, which have just been published in the last few days as we record this. Um, so, yeah, glad to be uh, divulging my thoughts with, with our listeners. That is awesome stuff. And, you know, uh, for for many people, when those accounts come out, it's more, you know, trying to... St- try and decipher what is going on on there and, and what to really look for. And to borrow a phrase from my dad, um, finding someone that makes money makes sense. And if, you know, there are very few people in, especially the football Twitter world that I've seen that actually make it make sense a lot more than making me more confused after listening to them. And you're certainly one of them. And I've always found a good way to kind of at least start these kind of conversations is getting a broader picture kind of you know the headlines so in saying that uh, what are the headline takes from this year's accounts you know overall do they present a positive or a negative view of the club's finances okay so um i think that the accounts overall can best be described as encouraging in the grand scheme of things so the accounts present a picture of Liverpool Football Club having generated turnover, which is all of the income, of £487 million. Um, and the net position, uh, which is either a profit or a loss, um, ended up at uh, £4.8 million loss uh, before tax, then £9.5 million loss after tax. Um, so one quick aside on that, people might be wondering, well, if the club made a loss, why did it then have to pay more tax, which then made it a bigger loss. And that's because the tax relates to um, operational um, affairs and therefore there are certain things which incur um, taxation before losses are even factored into the equation. So that that is why um, there is ultimately uh, taxation incurred. Uh, whereas for those people out there who run their own businesses um, ordinarily, um, if, if their business makes a loss, then they would be paying um, no tax or 
in some cases, people who um, may be creative in their accounting and declare that their business has made little or no money, um, or little or no profit, um, would would be paying minimal or no tax. So that aside, um, I, I say that um, it, it's still encouraging, and the reason I say that, despite the loss, is obviously COVID and the pandemic. Um, it did have a massive impact on the club's finances and the key area in which the impact was felt was match day revenue. So when I mentioned the turnover figure at the start, um, turnover is broadly comprised of three revenue streams, match day, um, media or broadcasting and commercial. And match day is generally um, the money that's generated on match days, you know, through the gate receipts and uh, sales of food and drink um, in and around the stadium and other um, income streams around uh, the match day itself. Um, that would typically in a non-COVID year be in the region of about 85 million uh, for the 2021 season stroke financial year. It was all the way down to 3.6 million. But that was an impact of over 80 million pounds um, from loss of match day revenue. And um, you know, had had that not been the case, um, then the turnover for the club overall uh, would have been in the region of about 568, 569 million pounds. So that's the level of impact just from match day. But there was also um, somewhat of an impact maybe on commercial revenue. So commercial revenue will come on to a bit later on um, and also broadcasting um Revenue, which is the prize money from the Premier League and the Champions League, and also the piddly amounts, relatively speaking, that the club also makes from um, the other domestic competitions, the FA Cup and the Carabao, um, that all factored into that, and uh, that amount to 266 million. But overall, um, I, I say it's a good position because not only in light of COVID and the impact it had and still only make a relatively minor loss, but also comparing against other clubs um, where the losses were in excess of six figures, so in excess of a £100 million loss um, for clubs like Arsenal and uh, Chelsea. And so when you compare our position as a club to other rivals in the Premier League, um, it's a very good position. Um, the only club from the big six to have made um, profit was Manchester City. But, um, you know, as has been noted by me on many occasions, um, that their accounts have to be taken with a pinch of salt. Um, the owners do ensure that the sponsorship figures and commercial revenue ultimately in their accounts say whatever they need to say in order to present um, a reasonable position in the in the. Uh, eyes of uh, those that own the club and run and manage the club. Um, so I almost discount what the, Ch- uh, the the Manchester City accounts have to say these days. Um, they, they, as uh, the ultimate owners at Abu Dhabi, can make those accounts say pretty much what they want. Um, but for the rest of the um, big six, um, we, we compared very favourably. Very, very interesting. And you obviously mentioned, you know, 
the Man City accounts aside, I guess then the next big one would be Man United's accounts. And and one of the things you've spoken about is Liverpool, you know, closing that gap in the turnover between um, Man United and Liverpool over the recent years. And and turnover is quite a an interesting collection of of monies coming in and you know broadly comprised of media commercial and match day as you've touched on lightly there earlier on but i've got two questions for you with regards to that firstly um why is the income from transfer fees not included and then secondly if you'll indulge me um you know we had the pandemic we had the football season, so to speak, kind of mixed and mashed in terms of which years they were um, put into. D- did the media income factor in any prize prize money from the 1920 season, given it finished in the 2021 financial year? Okay, so um, I'll answer the second question first and then uh, <laughs> the other question after that. So, uh, in, in in short, yes. Um, so the 1920 season ended near enough two months into the 2021 uh, financial year. So the financial year for this club um, commences from the 1st of June. And as we know, the uh, Premier League season for 1920 ended towards the end of uh, July um, from memory. So um, yes, it would therefore have meant that some of the um, income um, fell into the 2021 financial year, which related to the 1920 Premier League. Um, and the Champions League, again, though it finished as a competition in the 2021 uh, financial year, obviously, as we know, the club exited the competition um, before the pandemic struck. And um, so therefore, all of its income was earned in the 1920 financial year. Um, so the Champions League, um, though it com- as a competition, also like the Premier League, uh, concluded in 2021 for 1920. Um, its income was already incurred and banked for 1920, um, and, and that is why the um, revenue for uh, broadcasting overall was 266 million pounds, whereas um, for the previous season for 1920, um, it amounted to. Uh, just under 202 million, so an increase of 64, and that was driven largely by um, the fact that income um, from the previous season had, had been banked uh, into 2021. Now, going back to um, the first part of the question, so the reason that um, accounts do not include uh, incoming um, fees from buying clubs, purchasing clubs, when it comes to sales of uh, Liverpool players or player registrations, is because it's treated as a, effectively like a non-cash item in the accounts. So um, it, it, it is something that is separated out within the accounts um, in, in terms of the uh, overall position. The turnover only comprises those three cash um, income streams and then within the accounts there's a section which is referred to as profit or loss on disposal of players registrations Uh, and that is where um, you know listeners may have heard of the term amortization that is not a cash entry that's actually an accounting entry so just to explain that 
Um, if the player has been signed for £30 million pounds and it's a five-year contract, the amortisation is £6 million pounds a year. So in other words, that cost is then um, effectively spread out over five years during the duration of that contract. Now, if that player were to be sold um, two years into the contract for £40 million, pounds, at that point, the, the, the accounting position on that um, player is that that player is worth um, 18 million. So you've taken two years of 6 million each away from the initial 30 million, leave you with a book value, if you want to call it that, of 18 million. But the 40 million that's come in for selling that player to another club means that it's 22 million in profit. 20, 40 million sale, 18 million book value results in the 22 million. So because it's treated as a non cash type of movement, that is why it's separated out from the rest of the turnover. However, um, if you look at accounts for clubs around Europe, um, they tend to lump in um, monies from um, transfers with turnover. Um, whereas in, in this country, um, that is not the case. Turnover is only um, the broadcast, commercial and match day. And so that, that is why there is separation. Interesting stuff, Mo. Um, let's keep the vibe going with the incomings here. Let, let's let's turn our attention to commercial income. Um, you know, it's largely fake flakiness, kind of flatlined compared to 1920. Looking at the financials here that I have in front of me. So, despite the new Nike deal coming into effect and the club striking a new a new deal for the sleeve sponsorship, what I thought was quite timely and, and well done. Um, would you say 2021 was therefore a good or a bad year on the commercial front? Very good question. Um, I, I think that overall it has to be looked at as a good year, but um, within that there would have been some minor disappointments in my view. So let me just elaborate then. So it is good that the club actually didn't see a decrease in its commercial revenue. Uh, let me explain. Um, so, though the club saw commercial revenue flatline, um, that was not the case for um, some of the clubs around them. So, there were clubs such as Manchester United, for example, who saw their commercial revenue um, decrease by 47 million pounds which is absolutely huge um and then you had arsenal football club their commercial revenue dropped by six million tottenham hotspur by 10 chelsea by 17. Um, the only club to buck the trend surprise surprise was manchester city but again um their commercial revenue has to be taken with never mind a pinch of salt but several bags full of salt so let's put them aside. If you compare our uh, commercial revenue uh, to other clubs whose uh, commercial revenue in their accounts is, is a little bit more credible, um, we actually performed very well. Now, the reason I said there will be some slight disappointments here or there is because um, I specifically refer to the night deal. Now, contrary to what the club had reported up until very recently through the media where they were making um, it very clear through 
patch journalists and others that the New Balance deal was worth 45 million a year. Um, and, and I say they've only up until recently been pushing that narrative is because only in the last week or two, they've changed or allowed um, journalists close to the club uh, to change that slightly to the base being 45 million. Um, so what I've been reporting for quite a while is that in fact, the New Balance deal um, likely for 1920 generated 75, 80 million pounds. Um, and that's based on um, statements that were made in court by Billy Hogan, who is now the CEO of Liverpool Football Club, um, talking from when he was the commercial director of the club. And he in court did uh, admit that New Balance deal brought in 64 million pounds for the club in the 1819 season. And um, he also admitted at the same time that the New Balance kit um, in 1920 saw its sales 59% up on 1819. So if it generated 64 million in 1819, in 1920, in the final year of that deal, um, sales were up of the kit 59%. So therefore, um, to assume income of 75 to 80 million pounds for the last year of the night uh, for the New Balance deal is, is a fairly reasonable and prudent estimate. Um, now, based on the fact that the income flatlined, um, I, I think it's fair to assume that the new Nike deal or Nike deal generated similar levels of income. So though the sleeve sponsor did change during 2021, it was Western Union. They ended the deal um, pretty much just as the season was about to start. And a few weeks in, the club very quickly found a, a replacement in uh, Expedia. And that deal went from five million to nine million a year, which was good work by the club. Um, nonetheless, um, income for that revenue stream did flatline. And I think that the club perhaps would have privately hoped that uh, the night deal would have generated a bit more. But as we all know, uh, the club did agree a pretty low, relatively speaking, downside guarantee of 30 million a year. Um, and uh, I, I think that had they been able to negotiate a slightly better deal on that front, um, then the night deal in its first year may have touched um, 100 million at best. But that said, and you know, as the club has noted, um, many retail stores uh, were closed for the majority of the 2021 uh, financial year. So in terms of physical sales, um, there was certainly a, a big impact there, not least of which for the club shop itself at Anfield, um, which normally generates huge amount of businesses. You know, you and I know having been um, on match days and obviously as many of our listeners are aware, um, and, and that shop is normally absolutely thriving and buzzing. Um, it, it's just got massive humanity flowing through it on a match day before and after a game and obviously when uh, there was no fans or barely any fans coming along for the duration of the 2021 season there would have been a, a clear impact on, on that club shop but also uh, the various club shops that um, Liverpool has um, around the world as well so the impact was there the impact was um, through many thousands of night stores around the world um, who otherwise would have had limited amounts of kit available in the stores. 
So there was clearly an impact, and, and the club are certainly hopeful now and expectant indeed that this current financial year stroke season, um, their their business uh, and the revenue from the Nike deal uh, will be um, comfortably up on last year. So so that's encouraging. And and the final thing I just wanted to say on uh, commercial is that you know I have been critical of the club in terms of the fact that they haven't done it as well as I feel they could have in terms of capitalising on the popularity of um, Sadio Mane, Osalar when it comes to um, Africa and the Middle East um, and other kind of Muslim countries. Um, nonetheless, the club still has, um, by my understanding, um, secured some very good um, non-primary sponsorship deals over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, so I think that when the accounts for this season come out, um, you know, the, the commercial position should be um, up from last year's 218 million. Um, so so that, that is encouraging. And again, you know, we touched upon Manchester United in closing the gap. Um, that commercial gap um, as of 2021 was down to 14 million. And you know, I think it could well be closed further still in the current season. And, you know, if we were to eventually overtake them commercially, that that would be a massive achievement, given that, you know, only four years ago or less, um, that gap, that gap was, um, you know, close to double. That that is very, very interesting. And to me, it almost feels like the pandemic has um, kind of robbed us of taking that title off of Man United, um, in, in my humble opinion. And, you know, the, the effects of having fans going to match days and, and filling up the, the stores and being able to buy merchandise is a huge factor. So let, let's tie, uh, turn over with a nice bow here. Let, let's dive in a little bit more into match day revenue. You know, it was a relatively paltry amount given barely any fans attended matches last season, as you mentioned. Now that this season looks, you know, quite more normal and, and normal attendances for, I'm assuming, the rest of the season as well, 2021-2022 season, what should that mean for the bottom line? And also, how much difference should that increase stadium capacity what what's that going to have on revenue when the Annie Road end expansion? I think that ends uh, some next next summer, um, summer next year. What impact would that have as well? Okay, so as noted earlier, um, the match day revenue was three point six million for the club uh, for twenty twenty one, and for this season it looks like um, they will have been able to have um, normal levels of attendance um, for the whole of the season, um, unless there's some new mutant variant that comes out in the next few weeks, which results in, um, you know, no matches towards the back end of April and May and massive lockdown restrictions being put in, which is highly unlikely at this stage. But um, if, if that were to happen, if that weren't to happen, rather, uh, it should be very close to a normal pre-COVID year. And if that's the case, match day revenue should be in the region of about 85, possibly up to 90 million, depending on um, where we get to with the Champions League. So if we um, manage to get through to uh, the quarterfinals and semifinals and also progress well in 
the FA Cup and have uh, one or two more match days from that competition as well, um, then it, it could be touching on about £90 million pounds of revenue. Um, and that's me assuming um, that the very lucrative um, hospitality and other um, packages that they have um, with, with companies, for example, that um, ha- have kind of very um, expensive deals with the club uh, were, were not ended and the club having to renegotiate and sell some of those packages for less fee. I don't believe they did. Um, so on that basis, um, I'm fairly confident that um, it, it could be between 85 to 90 million pounds. Um, so straight away, um, that is an improvement on the 2021 position just from match day of um, 83 up to 86 million pounds. Oh, sorry, 82 up to 86 million pounds. Um, so so that, that, that's, um, you know, really, really good um, in terms of the, you know, summer plans for the club. And again, perhaps we'll come on to that later on. Um, but also, you know, you talked about the expansion. So, yes, um, the work is well underway now, as we know, um, to expand the Anfield Road end. And that work is due to complete um, by around August of next year. So that means that the expanded Anfield Road end should be ready for the start of the 23-24 season. At that point, the capacity will increase by approximately 7,000, taking the overall capacity of Anfield to just over 61,000. If that happens, then, or rather when that happens, then the uh, turnover for match days um, over a season should be in the region of around 100 to 105 million, which would put it um, very close on a par with Arsenal, um, with Manchester United, and only Tottenham Hotspur are likely to be comfortably in excess of that. Um, their, their match day revenue um, will probably be in the region of about 120 million in a typical year. And the reason for that is because of the various um, non um, Tottenham Hotspur related um, events that they hold in that stadium, um, which, which is, I know, quite close to you, but it looks certainly like an absolutely stunning stadium. And obviously, as we know, it hosts the NFL um, two or three times a, a season. And. Um, also, we'll be hosting, you know, concerts and other um, very big events. So all of that um, does go towards Tottenham Hotspur. And I know Liverpool um, have got permission uh, for events as well. So certainly now that um, lockdown restrictions have been eased here in the UK, um, Liverpool will be working hard to try and at the least ensure that they can book in one or two um, concerts um, for, for for the next uh a couple of years each and uh, again that will all help towards um, supporting match day revenue for the Liverpool Football Club Yeah I'm, I'm certainly familiar with the, uh, the Tottenham Stadium, I'm actually going for their game I think in two weeks time against West Ham and certainly when the NFL comes rolling around in October I'll be back there um, so yeah it, it, it is a beautiful stadium and I'm sure the expansion of Anfield is definitely Definitely going to help us in terms of um, the turnover side of things. But Mo, you know, everyone's always asking, where does all this money go? I mean, it, it seems like we're doing relatively well in terms of bringing the money in. 
Um, if you look at the clubs that were being compared to and, and where we were a couple of years ago, it's very promising. Um, but where is the money going? Um, so let's move on to outgoings. Clearly, the biggest cost area would be the wage bill. Um, it decreased, but not a significant amount, which it might have been slightly surprising given the club didn't win any silverware. I mean, I certainly was surprised in terms of how little, if I can say, it de- it, de- it decreased or um, relative to the contracts and the type of contracts that we give out to players. Um, is there an explanation for this? Um and what might be the wage bill looking like if the club wins the Champions League and or the Premier League this season? I, I won't say that that word that has been thrown around. Um, it starts with a Q um, oh. that's been thrown around by, by, by fans of late. I'm, I'm not getting involved in that chat until it's, um, you know, one game away from where I stand from. But yeah, in terms of outgoings, especially wages, um, what what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned the Q word because um, as we recall this, just before we, we started this, I was watching um, the, the great Andy Tate from Stretford Paddock, who's one of the uh, characters from um, Manchester United um, social media. And um, he was on a rant about his club and then um, it was making him further upset when he then came on to, oh, the Scousers might win the quadruple and he's getting <laughs> extremely agitated over the possibility that that could happen. Um, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was very amusing, but nonetheless, going, going back to the question. Um, yeah. So our wage bill last season, well, sorry, in the 1920 uh, season or financial year was 326 million pounds. And as we know, um, the, the season didn't end at the end of 1920, it actually ended a couple of months into 2021. And that is part of the reason why um, wage bill hadn't reduced by the extent that it ordinarily would have. So the wage bill for 2021 was 314 million. So the decrease was uh, just over, in fact, 11 million pounds. And had the prize money bonuses related to winning the Premier League, not partly coming to 2021, um, that wage bill almost certainly would have been um, less than 300 million. Um, So just as a kind of example to illustrate that, Manchester United, um, their wage bill going back to 1819 uh, was 332 million pounds. But in 1920, which was a season when they had no uh, Premier League football, they only competed in the Europa League, their wage bill reduced to 284 million. So it reduced by nearly 50 million pounds. And this is a club that has contracts that are less incentivized than Liverpool football clubs. So there's less of a onus and emphasis on bonuses um, for Manchester United contracts compared to Liverpool's. And yet, for missing the Champions League altogether and, and not winning any trophies um, that season um, had an impact of nearly £50 million. So I don't think it would have been quite as big for Liverpool because obviously Liverpool did compete in the Champions League in 2021 as it had in 1920. Um, but nonetheless, um, ninth, uh, 
1920 would have um, been, uh, you know, significant bonuses, um, a match from winning many, many games. Obviously, the club went on an incredible streak um, up until um, that Watford game when we lost just before the pandemic hit. And, um, you know, with all the goals, the wins, the clean sheets, the bonuses that would have been paid out for that would have been very significant. Um, but nonetheless, um, 314 million still compares favourably to other clubs around us. So uh, Manchester City's wage bill did exceed 350 million officially. I say officially because um, it's been alleged um, that uh, some of their players, or maybe people close to their players, um, receive um, other payments to remunerate um, the successes achieved by by players. Um, but even Manchester City aside, uh, the wage bill for Chelsea was 350 million plus because of uh, bonuses paid out relating to the winning of the Champions League for that club. Um, the wage bill for Manchester United was back over 300 million at 322, um, and, and the wage bills for um, Chelsea, in, uh, sorry Tottenham Hotspur, increased over 200 million for the first time. And even at Arsenal, it was about 244 million. Um, so that had even seen some growth as well. Um, so Liverpool was one of the few clubs that saw its wage bill decrease. Um, but I think that, going back to your question, if the club is to win um, either the Champions League or Premier League or even both, um, we could be looking at very sizable bonuses having to be paid out. Um, so the overall wage bill um, could be in the region of about 360 million. Um, if, if one or both of those competitions are won. Don't forget that at the start of this season, the club did um, renew quite a number of contracts. Um, so whereas in 2021, only one contract was renewed or extended, which was for Nico Williams in 21-22. At the start of this year, uh, we, we saw contract extensions for a number of players. And, and, and the most talked about, which obviously, as we know, is um, that of Jordan Henderson, whose contract was only actually extended by a year. Um, he had two years to go. Um, the contract was extended um, by an additional year, but with an option for a further year on top. Um, so that, that caught a lot of controversy when that happened. Um, but then there were obviously, as we know, a number of other contracts that were renewed, such as Virgil, Van Dijk, Allison, etc. Um, there are clearly some contracts that uh, we, we hope and or expect um, to be um, renegotiated and extended, um, but that may be no movement between now and the end of the uh, season. But uh, yeah, three, 360 million is, is my estimate for where the wage bill can end up if, if we are winning further silverware before the season is done. Nicely done. Look, I, I won't comment on contracts that may or may not be signed um but i do like the comparisons that you give with um, other big six rivals it, it gives a nice picture of where the club is situated with regards to wage bills but what about other non-pay expenditures for the club was was that in line with what you expected and if we continue that theme how, how does it compare to some of the other big six rivals okay so that is normally um, the, the biggest uh, cost area 
Um, now, if you go into accounts under expenditure, you'll then find a lot of non-cash movements. So things like depreciation, amortization, um, and, and these are transactions that are not involving cash movements. Um, so what I then look for is things that involve um, money outflow and that is where I've done a bit of a comparison against the other clubs and found that Liverpool's, if you want to call it other operating expenses, amounted to uh, £93 million. Now to compare that to other clubs then, Manchester City's uh, was it just a tad under £100 million, if you pile in the pun, um, but then other clubs uh, saw their figures a lot lower. Um, so Manchester United's op other operating expenses were um, £76 million, Chelsea at 72 Arsenal at 48 Tottenham Hotspur at 60 um, So those four other clubs, their other operating expenses uh, were a lot lower. Now, what do I mean by other operating expenses? So this is to do with um, other costs involved with the running and operations of the clubs. So, for example, um, stadium costs. So, you know, stadiums cost money to secure, to heat, to light, and they've got bills to pay. Um, on top of that, uh, Liverpool has several offices. So it has um, one in Liverpool City Centre in the Liver building, as I understand it. And there's also an office in London. They may have one or two other offices around the world as well. Um, they incur normally quite, quite sizable um, fees to do with intermediaries or agents, as they're more commonly known. And they also lump, are lumped under um, other operating expenses. Um, there's uh, the cost of producing um, club merchandise, which isn't through the, the normal kit suppliers. Um, so if you go into the club shop, where you go online, you'll find that the club sells um, non-branded merchandise and so not from Nike. Um, so obviously there are costs uh, incurred with, with that. Um, they will also have costs to do with um, buying lots and lots of food and drink. You know, they've got to keep their staff fed and watered. And also on the match day, obviously, they have, you know, 50-odd thousand fans turning up um, and they have to be looked after as well. So there's costs associated with all of that. Um, so when you factor all of these different costs in, um, Liverpool's uh, figures were 93 million. And, you know, that is on the high side. It's the highest. If you put Manchester City aside, um, that is the highest of the other four uh, by some distance. And, um, you know, that, that is something that um, the club is clearly comfortable with because it, it typically is the case that their other operating expenses um, are pretty high um, compared to some of these other clubs around them. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that I have very limited information on because... Liverpool's accounts don't, don't go into the same level of detail as other accounts, most notably Manchester United. So if you go into Manchester United's full accounts, because they are um, publicly listed on the New York Stock Exchange, um, the level of disclosure that they are required to share um, is comfortably in excess of what um, Liverpool Football Club are required to divulge um, through Companies House. Um, and in fact, you know, for, for those that are really, really interested in, um, you know, accounts of a football club, um, the 176 page accounts of Manchester United are um, some good bedtime reading 
And I mean, on a serious note, though, it, it does give somewhat of a clue, a, a better idea about the money coming in and money going out from a football club. If you look at the accounts of Manchester United, um, and, and it gives some clues as to how uh, Liverpool's finances operate as well. Uh, but yeah, in in terms of the question that was asked, um, other operating expenses are relatively high, um, but it is still something that cl- clubs clearly sees as manageable. That's very good to hear. And definitely one to keep an eye on and maybe a, a podcast in the future will be that agents fees that you mentioned. Um, there are new regulations that have been drafted um, and they're, they're going to be proposed to stakeholders by FIFA where they're going to be capping um, agents wages. And yeah, um, yeah, that that's not for this podcast, but just a tidbit uh, for people to look up. Sorry. I do shed a tear for them. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 for not going to be enough. especially especially new agents that are looking to enter, um, possibly getting one percent after tax um, is is not a way to make a living in that industry. But Mo, in the nineteen twenty accounts, we saw that the club borrowed nearly two hundred million to help deal with the impact of the pandemic. What was the club's position in respect of borrowing and debt by the end of 2021? So overall, um, it was um, relatively healthy position in that um, the club of that um, loan that was brought in in the 1920 season um, so the club had what's known as a revolving credit facility. So it's basically um, the ability to call on a loan at any point for any purpose related to the affairs of the club. And clearly when the pandemic came along and the season came to a standstill for the best part of three plus months, um, the as I understand it, the uh, prize money from the likes of the Premier League and Champions League uh, deferred and at that point the club had no idea how long they might have to wait until that money would come in uh, so the club um, is not one that operates in the way that a Manchester City or even a Chelsea up until recently have done um, and clearly the owners were not about to um, part with their own uh, wealth in order to prop up the club so they called upon the loan and that was all pretty much brought in in full um, toward the back end of the 1920 season. Now in 2021 the club did repay back um, 70 million of that loan Um, so I think part of it was that um, the club realized okay well we brought all of this loan in um, but you know we, we haven't had the need to use all of it so it's not necessarily a case of the club using £70 million from other revenue streams in order to repay the loan. It was more a case of, well, they've taken all of this loan out, but they've realised they didn't need all of it, so they've paid that £70 million back. Um, and I think that um, they'll be in a position of reducing that loan further still um, during this year uh, without it having an adverse impact on available funds I think um, and its overall um, kind of debt position is is a pretty good one um, it, it's for example in a position whereby its liabilities beyond 
um, a year amounts to 220 million. Um, but that is largely comprised of this loan that's taken out. And also um, the stadium debt um, for the main stand expansion. So even though that happened close to five years ago now, um, was it? No, in fact, just over five years ago, it was ready for the start of the 16 17 season. Um, there's still £71 million owing um, from the borrowing from that. So for those listeners, uh, regular listeners, um, that will remember me being dis- discussing this subject in the past, um, what happened was FSG took out a low interest loan um, of £110 million at the start of that project, which commenced in 2014, and then loaned that money interest-free to the club. So they took a low interest loan out and then loaned that money to the club. Um, and so £71 million is still owing from that. I think had COVID not come along, that amount that was owing probably would have been down to about 30 or 40 million. The club certainly had intended to repay that loan back over five or six years. Um, but uh, obviously COVID came along, pandemic struck and um, scuppered everything. So the club, again, will be looking to reduce that loan. In the 2021 season, that loan was not reduced at all. Um, so that, that made clear in the accounts, it was 71 million at the start of 2021. It was 71 million below in at the end of 2021. So um, you know, I don't think they're going to look to reduce it by necessarily 20 million. Um, it might be 10 to 15 and um, look to repay over a long period of time. Um, but, you know, compared to, again, some of the other clubs around, um, such as Manchester United, whose um, debt is now touching half a billion, um, and then you've got Tottenham Hotspurs, whose um, debt is, oh, I think 850 million. Um, and that obviously is relating largely to the stadium. Um, compared to, again, rivals, um, its deposition as a club is is a pretty healthy, um, ma- manageable stroke service of one. So nothing that should cause any concern, either for the owners or even for fans that take an interest in this sort of thing. That is fascinating stuff. Uh, Mo, let's, let's go to maybe the, the fun part that fans are really interested in. Um, but before we get to that, um, side of things were there were there any other items in the accounts that caught your attention and and that you'd like to share with the listeners i want to give you that opportunity before we jump into um transfers and how much money liverpool possibly might have for for this coming window yeah sure um as i noted earlier these accounts are pretty basic so they don't go into anywhere near the level of detail that uh, Manchester United's accounts do, where there's a really, really fascinating level of detail in their accounts. But um, a couple of things that um, I, I did note uh, was that uh, several things I did note was that um, the club's uh, workforce increased by nearly 10 percent during 2021. Really interesting, given that obviously we had the pandemic well underway, and yet despite that, um, the number of staff that the club has increased um, say by nearly 10% uh, most notably um, in administrative and commercial um, so you know they've really been making big expansions um, in, in those areas and, and by that that it also includes um, 
know, things like IT, HR, you know, all the kind of normal things you get in a company. And um, their employee count was almost the same as Manchester United. So again, making those comparisons with our biggest rival, um, even on the employees front, um, we are on the verge of having more employees than Manchester United, which again is, is quite interesting. Um, the other thing I noted was that um, the, the highest paid director, um, the accounts always declare that. And um, in 1920, um, the pay for the highest paid director, which who would have been um, Peter Moores, who was the previous CEO, his pay was 1.3 million. Um, in 2021, the highest paid director uh, was 1.664 million, which was a 27% increase year on year. Uh, and that individual in 2021 was Billy Hogan, who uh, became the new CEO of the club and um, moved away from his role in commercial. Um, he was replaced by uh, Matt Scammell. Um, however, Matt um, left to get involved in something I think was NASCAR related from memory um, or golf, um, some other sport anyway. And so um, I think the club hasn't as yet, as far as I'm aware, appointed to that commercial role. And um, I'd be quite keen to see them bring somebody in um, that has um, the uncanny ability to strike deals in the way that Manchester City do. Um, whoever they've got in their commercial department is, is a miracle worker because they spin out new commercial deals by the week. Seemingly. So uh, if Liverpool can find somebody like that, um, that'd be great. Albeit, um, rumour has it that Manchester City um, on the commercial front do lowball um, in order to get as many sponsors in as possible so that when they present their commercial revenue, they're saying, oh, look, we've got 60 sponsors, even though we're giving cut price deals to Nissan and Tinder and all these other non-Abu Dhabi related companies, allegedly. <laughs> Always have to throw that word in there. Um, right. So let's 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 get on to this transfer kitty, so to speak. So one of the things many fans look for when news breaks out about their club's accounts is uh, any clues, hints about how much money or how little money uh, they might be to spend on transfers in the summer. From your analysis, are you able to shed any light on that? I know you mentioned, um, for example, Liverpool's accounts might not be as detailed as United's one, but obviously with them being a publicly traded company, there there are a lot more obligations on them. But what hints are are we seeing from the accounts that Liverpool do provide? Okay, so what I've what I've done is looked at what the account the divulging to try and look into the future uh, to estimate well firstly how much money are we likely to generate this season and then secondly what kind of costs may we incur uh, which will obviously have an impact on the funds that might be available and um, so firstly I look at how much we're likely to generate in terms of revenue so as we've touched on right at the start this, the, the amount of revenue that was generated this season uh, was 487 sorry in 2021 was 487 million pounds though the broadcast revenue uh, was slightly skewed by the fact that it incorporated um, prize money from previous season and um, so for this season then on the assumption that we only make it to the next round of the champions league and exit the competition at that stage and obviously 
we all hope that that isn't the case, but that we all you know, are pining for getting to the final and winning the competition for the seventh time, clearly. Um, but if we prudently estimate we only get through to the next round and then that'll be it, um, then the generation of income from that will be in the region of about £80 million. Then on top of that, prime, Premier League prize money looks very certain now that we'll be in the top two places. We should be generating in the region of about £170 million from the Premier League competition. So the two competitions all told, we should be looking at in the region of about £250 million, uh, which would be fantastic. Now, on top of that, um, commercial, as I touched upon earlier on, the 2021 was £218 million. I think we're looking at probably 225 to 230 based on some of what has been fed back to me. Um, so then we look at match dates. So as I touched upon earlier, we were looking at in the region of 85 to 90 million pounds for this season, um, depending on how we get on in the remainder of the season when it comes to cup competitions and potentially getting in one or two more games at Anfield over and above those that we already know will take place um, in terms of remaining home fixtures for the Premier League. So when you add all of those figures up, um, we are looking at in a region of about £550 million, pounds, give or take £10 million, £20 million, this way or that way, depending on if we get all the way through to the final of the Champions League. So what that means is we'll be generating record turnover in 2021-22 season. And on top of that, I then had a look at cash flow. So the cash flow statement strips away um, non-cash movements. You know, so I've talked about things like depreciation, amortization. And what I looked at in the cash flow statement is how much we as a club actually paid towards transfer fee installments to clubs that had sold players to us. And what we did, and there's a line in the accounts called acquisition of player registrations. Now that for 2021 was 90 million pounds, 90.2 million pounds. Now only go back two or three years, that figure was 173 million. So we paid out from all the money we generated, 173 million only about a couple of years ago. And yet by 2021, um, that was down to 90 million. And clearly that is because um, since 2018, relatively speaking, we haven't spent huge amounts as a club. Um, you know, we, we saw very little business done in 2019 in the summer after we won the Champions League. In summer 2020, we clearly um, brought in um, three notable signings in Simicas, Thiago and Jota. Um, and what we did was make lower initial payments, um, given that COVID had just set in and the pandemic had um, kind of become a thing um, only matter of three months or so, three, four months before uh, we looked to put these deals together for these players. Um, and then in summer 21, obviously the, the key incoming was um, Ibrahima Kanate. So in terms of 2021, the 90 million would have related to the final payments for transfers from the summer 2018 window. Um, summer 19 was probably all settled by then with the exception of Harvey Elliott. And then um, that 90 million also uh, reflects payments towards um, Wolves for Jota and to Bayern Munich for, uh, for um, 
for Thiago. So when we uh, look at all of that, then we know that um, the 2018 business is done, but all of the fees owing to deals for the likes of Alison and others, they're all settled now. And so we only really have the uh, costs relating to those deals that have gone from summer 2020, the Canate deal from 21, and now obviously uh, the deal for uh, Diaz. So the point being that um, acquisition of player registrations um, you know, is otherwise going to be relatively lower amount compared to the high of 173 million from only a couple of years ago. Um, so if you if you compare those things then, record turnover outgoing towards pay registrate acquisition of pay registrations, um, then it means that the funds that should be available should be pretty significant. However, we also know that the club is still intent on reducing its um, loans and debts. Um, so there'll be money going out towards that. Um, we also know that the Anfield Road End expansion has commenced. Um, so there'll be some costs incurred from that. And as we touched on a few minutes ago, there's a slew of new contracts that were signed in terms of extensions at the start of this season, uh, which in some cases are seeing very significant increases um, in pay for a number of players. Trent Alexander-Arnold being one example, um, Jordan Henderson, Alisson, two others. So um, when we factor all of that in, what it means is that um, the club uh, will have more funds available to spend in the summer um, than it has probably since any time since 2018. 2018, we, we spent, what was it, in the region of about 200 million, something like that. So um, it doesn't mean to say that we'll go out and spend 200 million this summer, by the way. What it does mean is that uh, we will certainly have stronger positions to spend um, this summer. And if you look at the strength of the squad anyway, and there's clearly not the need to carry out a, a massive rebuild of the squad. Even though we have a number of players that are hitting 30 now, um, you know, we're in a position in the way that we're working to perhaps um, move out a couple of players who are slightly older in age, replace them with a couple more quality additions. And it should bring uh, a requirement on the club to spend, you know, enormous amounts of money, you know, to the tune of 150, 200 million pounds. You know, the, the club in all likelihood, I think, will probably look to bring in one uh, notable signing uh, who will be higher value, uh, coupled with one lesser value one, unless, you know, the elephant in the room is the contract extension with uh, Mo is not agreed, in which case, with a year left on his contract, a big decision is left to be made, which is, do we cash in and still generate 80, 90, 100 million pounds for him now, or let him go for free a year later um, if the club decides to cash in? Uh, almost without question, they will look to replace. Um, and, and if that's the case, then clearly there'll be another big incoming, maybe not to the same value as him as a player. So clearly, the club prefers to you know, buy players at a certain value in a certain bracket. Uh, but nonetheless, that, that's one to keep an eye on. But just in a, a very long-winded way to answer the question, there will be sufficient funds available to do business, and, and that's that's certainly encouraging uh, where Red should be concerned. 
So you heard it here first, guys. There, there will be money. Whether or not they spend it, don't blame Mo. <laughs> that, that's not Mo's decision to make. But uh, certainly in terms of a financial perspective, an accounting perspective, there, there is room to move there for Liverpool Football Club. Mo, this has been absolutely fascinating. And it's definitely one of those podcasts where I, I listen to it at least two or three times to, to get all the, the nuggets that you've kind of brought to us here. But that's going to do it for another money talks mode do you have anything else you want to plug put over or promote before we wrap up um i'm actually uh, pretty clear in terms of podcasting i'm one of the resident part-timers um so i'll probably be putting in an appearance in the coming weeks on either raw or the nina casa show um, but in terms of money talks i'll likely be back again um during the international break to cover some interesting subjects rather um, which is yet to be determined, uh, but uh, yeah, that that's going to be my next uh, appearance here on Anfield Index. Awesome stuff. Guys, from my end, go and check out some of the awesome podcasts that are on Anfield Index. There's AI um, podcasts with Guy who stepped in for Carl. Um, he was discussing Inter's UCL game with Dave Hendrick. We've also got the Daily Red podcast that comes out Monday to Friday, usually about lunchtime. If you want to catch up on all the news that is involved with Liverpool, go check that out. From a personal side of things, um, go to EPR Index, the sister site of Anfield Index, and you can catch Tad Predictable, um, where I host a Premier League predictions show. We go weekly on there. Um, and I'll also be on EPR Index Roundtable next week, Sunday, just discussing all the news and happenings around the Premier League. But that's going to do it for us. Huge thank you to Mo. Huge thank you to everyone that listened. Huge thank you to producer Guy Drinkle in our ear. Um, And until next time, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.